0: Well, I'm pleased to be here with you this morning because we're going to start a new series, and this series is called The Jesus DNA. It's taken out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and we're going to realize that the body of Christ, the church, is to manifest the very nature of Christ in the earth. That was his plan. We've got to get back to that plan and understand it in its fullest. For some reason, there's debate and issue as to whether the fivefold ministry that God gave to his church is still valid today. I don't understand why God would give a gift and it would fade out, or it would disappear somehow. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, these are the five things that are manifesting the very DNA of Jesus in the body of Christ. We're going to take a look at that. But before we do... I preface the teaching at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul tells us in this great, great book about the church what he's praying for them to accomplish. Ephesians chapter 1 the book of Ephesians is a grand and glorious book on the nature of the church. So if you would read through the book of Ephesians seven times by the end of the day, and then maybe every day, all right, I'll let you decide how many times, but keep reading the book of Ephesians. Let's keep reading it. Let's absorb it. Let's understand it. I tell young pastors this. I often uh, teach them, take a book and in the summer or for the year, study it, study it. Get to know that book. Read it over and then over again. Become an expert in that book. And if you'll do this year after year, you're going to gain a great depth. So for us, it's the book of Ephesians right now. Amen? Amen. And so this is the preface to our study, and it begins in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, Paul is... Exhorting them of their great faith, how wonderful it is. He heard about them and what God's doing with them. But I want to give you just the crux of the matter. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, you can highlight this. And he, Jesus, put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. God has designed something that has never been before, that was executed in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, so that God put all things under his feet. Under whose feet? Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of all things. He's superior. He's the name above all. All other names, all power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. Jesus stands in full authority over the cosmos. In the book of Revelation, when John is looking to see who could unroll, who could take the seals off the scroll that is the ownership of all the cosmos of heaven and earth, uh, he wept because there was no man and then he saw the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus was able to. All things are put under his feet. And so if all things are put under Jesus' feet, and then he gave him to be the head of the church, which is his, what, body, then the fullness of him fills us so that we will fill all in all. Now that's a pretty amazing statement. God isn't just saving us so that we get saved and go to heaven and play air hockey up there. I don't know why I chose air hockey, but. You know, we, we, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven, now I'm going to go to heaven. There's a much bigger plan for the church. There's a much bigger impact that will last for all eternity. This isn't just to save these wretched people and move on. This is transform the heavens and the earth through his body, the church. We've got to begin understanding who we are. And not, of, not enough of us do. We're still contending with the simple issues of our flesh as if that's the most important thing. I've got to beat this thing, this addiction and this and that. That is so minor to what you're called to. If you would begin to understand what you're called to, you wouldn't put up with those stupid little things. I don't mean to minimize them. I know they're a struggle for all of us. We all have flesh issues. But I'm trying to create a contrast for you. Can you understand? We have such a high calling. We're to save planet Earth, the cosmos, the heavenlies, and reorient them all under the headship of Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Can we start that? (laughs) He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over the things of the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. But you know what? We can't do that until we start at verse 17. We're never going to understand that. And so Paul prays an apostolic prayer. I'll start at verse 15. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's his apostolic prayer for the church at Ephesus, but ultimately for the church at large through all the ages of time. He says this, that the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. First of all, if we're going to understand who we are, we have to understand who he is. If he's the head, which means he's in charge, If he's the head which directs us, his body, right? Your head directs your hands, your actions, your feet, your body. If he's the head, we need to understand who he is, what his directives are. So Paul is praying first and foremost that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Boy, I pray for that almost daily. How about you? Every time I'm with my staff, when I'm with the elders, anytime we're together, we pray for wisdom. Oh God, give us wisdom. Beyond man, the wisdom of God and the revelation of his spirit. Why? The wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. Do you understand that in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, the book of Colossians says? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the science that we have come to understand is already known by him because he created all things. Science doesn't eliminate Jesus, science illuminates Jesus. All that you understand about mathematics, all of that you understand about gravity, about uh, physics, about nature, it's all in him. Creation displays His handiwork. Wisdom and revelation is a knowledge of Him. We have to have a greater knowledge of Him. Understanding His character, understanding His qualities, understanding His nature. So if we're going to understand who we are in this earth for this day, for this hour, we need to understand His heart, who He is, and know Him. We need a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Can I pray that for us right now? Would you lift your hand up? Father, we're asking you to give us, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, each one of us uniquely. We need greater revelation, knowledge, and wisdom of Jesus Messiah, Jesus the Christ. We need that. God, open our eyes and ears. I also pray for us as a church. God, give the church wisdom and revelation for this hour, for this time. God, I pray for the church in this nation. Give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. We don't need to know more conspiracies. We don't need to know what's underneath anything else. We need to know the glory of Jesus Christ. May we not be sidetracked. And I pray for the church in the world. May we grow in the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ in a greater way so that we may act and walk like him. And if you agree with it, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. That's what he's praying for. And he's praying for three things in this prayer. This wisdom and knowledge is going to give the church three things. He goes on saying this in verse 18, giving us purpose. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Uh, You ever see you have eyes in your heart? What does that mean? Eyes of your heart. The the, The depth of your soul would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he's called us. There is a hope that we have as the church. Now, I'm going to share with you these three things, and he's speaking to the church at large, but he can also bring it right down to the macro to each individual life. No, wait, micro, micro, thank you. The macro is the church. The micro is you. So he wants to enlighten your heart, the eyes of your heart, that you may know him so that you would know your purpose, the hope to which he's called you. You know, you do what you do because you feel called to do what you do. You feel resolute to do it. You choose to do it. At the end of the day, you do what you do because you're called to do it. Are you called to win the loss? Do you believe that? Are you called to reflect Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? Are you called to be a good husband or a good wife? Are you called to be a good father? Are you called to be a good neighbor? Are you called to be a Christian? Are you called to declare Jesus and reveal Him? That is our calling. And then God puts you in specific places and jobs, in neighborhoods, You're called to that. You have to believe you have a purpose. If you don't believe you have a purpose, you're aimless. And you cast off restraint. This morning, the first thing I ask is, do you have a purpose? Do you sense the purpose of your calling? Oh, pastor, you don't know me. I'm not much. I can't do much. I don't like talking in front of people. i got to take care of these kids. That is a calling. That is a calling. Yeah, but i got to work so much overtime I can't get out there and preach. Wherever you are, occupy that territory. You're called to it. It's your territory. I don't know what factory you work in, what store you work in, what house you live in. You're called to be there. The Bible says... That he divided the nations according to his purposes. You ever look at a map and wonder, why does like Florida have that hook over there and another state? Has, who set up these things? Men did, but do you know why? And nations did, do you know why? Because God wanted it that way. He set the boundaries of every nation. Because there's a reason specific to the calling that he has to accomplish one day we're going to see how all of this works together so amazing i don't know what you've been through but you've been through what you've been through because you're called to it so start working it you have a purpose and you have a calling will you receive that this morning So the first thing he wants is the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, to open up to understand you're valuable. Every one of you is valuable to the kingdom of God, and essentially the church is valuable to this world. The second thing he's going to continue to pray for is this, that you would understand what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now this is an interesting phrase, there's a debate as to what this is talking about. Is this talking about your inheritance, or is this talking about his inheritance? I mean, he already owns everything, right, doesn't he? He's already lord over everything, though it rebelled from him. In the first sense, we can see it as his inheritance because he's going to put everything under his feet as his footstool. He's going to accomplish to bring all of his enemies under his feet. He, and how, if we're the body, where's the feet? Under the church. He's going to use the church to bring this world to a knowledge of Christ. His inheritance is, to, is from us. That as we've inherited, it's a dual concept. As we've inherited all the riches of his glory, as we've inherited all the promises that God has ever made, they're yes in Christ Jesus. As we inherit through the New Testament, the New Covenant, his will and testament, through the Holy Spirit as the executor of that will, giving us all our inheritance of Christ and everything with him. That's us. That's ours. That's our glorious inheritance. With it, We will win the world and give it to him as his inheritance. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Seems like we should be busy doing something, don't you think? That's the goal. So, the riches of his inheritance. I don't know how many of you have ever inherited anything. Have You ever inherited anything? Right? Has anybody got like a rich uncle? rich grandpa waiting for that inheritance wouldn't that be something to have an amazing inheritance come in wow what you could do with all that cash it'd probably ruin you (laughs) but what about the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ How many of you have an inheritance? How many of you have counted your blessings? How many of you have remembered to forget not all of his benefits? What's your inheritance? What is the inheritance of the saints? Is it as, uh, you know, it, it sickens me that the church is trying to influence so many people to become richer and have more possessions. Is that your inheritance? You need a bigger house, really? You need how many more cars? No, what is our inheritance? The love of God poured into our hearts, the joy that passes all understanding, and a peace that I can stand in the midst of any turmoil. The goodness, the mercy, the self control, the faithfulness of God. What an inheritance we have. And Paul's praying. I pray you understand how richly you have inherited everything you need. You know, God equipped His church to accomplish His whole goal, because He's in it. So you have to understand the riches of your inheritance. We can't do that. We don't have enough money. You don't need money, you got Jesus. Pastor, how are we going to accomplish winning Roseville and East Point and St. Clair Shores? How are we going to win this community? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough people. We've got Jesus. The inheritance is far-reaching. How is the church in the United States ever going to make an impact to turn it around back into righteousness? We don't have the money for advertising. The media is against us. We don't have the right political people in places of power. What are we going to do? We've got Jesus. I've got an inheritance greater than anything man made. God will do it because we're his church. And the third thing he tells us to do is understand the power. He gives us a purpose and a calling. He gives us an inheritance, all that you need to make this happen. And last of all, he gives us an engine, the power He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? What do you think immeasurable means? Come on, genius. You really can't measure it, right? (laughs) It's not that hard. It's immeasurable. This power, is it better than a nuclear bomb? Is it greater than the force of life and death itself? is it greater than all the heavens is it in fact greater than all of the physical universe yes is it greater than the physical and the spirit realm yes it's immeasurable because it's him he is above all these things the immeasurable greatness of his po- <coughs> excuse me of his power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. This is a power that is in the church. It is also a power that is in each one of you. Where two or more are gathered, I'm in the midst. There's the church. We don't have to have a lot of people here. We've got the power of the resurrection within us. We've got the power of the resurrection that made The same power that raised Christ from the dead. The power that made the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars. The power that set the earth in its rotation. The power that cancels death. The power over the grave and sin. (coughs) That is within you. That is within me. Do you understand why he's praying for this? For the church to wake up and get it? We're anemic. We're weak, we're distracted. Paul's praying, this prayer still echoes in the heavenlies. Oh God, may they understand their purpose and calling. Oh God, may they understand what they possess. And may they understand the power that stands behind them to accomplish it. We sing this morning to encourage one another that we would be strong enough to endure. But we're to lead. And here's the conclusion. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you know what the church is? The church is the fullness of Of Him. We are the fullness of Him. He fills all in all. He fills us, and we occupy this planet to reveal Him. That's why we've got to rediscover the plan that He gave us. Anytime I get a cold, it attacks my throat. If you've been around here long enough, you realize that. (laughs) I get over it pretty quick. He put all things under his feet, gave him his head over the church, his body, the fullness of him. We are the fullness of him. You know, the church has already changed the world. We forget what God has done through his church already. Uh, Tom Holland is a writer and a historian and an atheist, but as he studied history and he looked at world history and its evolution of governments and authorities and people, he said this about Christianity. He wrote that he realized the ancients were cruel and their values were utterly foreign to him. The Spartans routinely murdered imperfect children. It was common. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for the physical pleasure of those with power. Infanticide was common. The poor and the weak had no rights. This was the world and every civilization in it. It was brutal, it was cruel. He asked himself, How did we get here from that? And as he studied history and as he studied civilizations, he came up with one answer. Christianity. The church revolutionized the understanding of sex and sexuality, the understanding of marriage, the demanding that men control themselves, and also prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity confined sexuality within monogamy. It's ironic that these are now the very standards that Christianity is derided. Christianity elevated women. It abolished slavery. Christianity utterly transformed the world we know. That's the church. That's the gospel. In fact, today, the appeal for justice, the the appeal for what is right, the appeal uh, to respect each other's rights and honor one another, it all comes from Christianity. The the sense of ethics and the sense of morality all stems from the church. Everybody's using it. If you would understand human nature and the way civilizations have been in the past, what could have radically changed the world into what we have now? One thing. Christ in the church we would be utter fools to neglect what Christ has done in our midst. We have a calling, brothers and sisters. We have an inheritance, a power to accomplish this goal and to be the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Where there is a lack, go fill it with Jesus. Where there is ignorance, bring the light. Where there is hatred, bring love. Where there's injustice, bring Christ. We're the only hope for this world. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the church Paul's talking about. This is the church that God is declaring The fullness of Christ is in us. But what does that look like? And that's the preface to what it means to have the DNA of Jesus. We are to be Christ for this dying world. Would you bow your heads?